everyone. Hope you're doing okay in this week's session. And what I'm going to talk about today is session, believe it or not. Um, or specifically thoughts, my thoughts and impressions of session. And I mean that in a, a sort of general sense, rather than the specifics of this session. And at some point, I, I may ask you, well, I will ask you, for your thoughts and impressions. Um, I'm conscious that tomorrow, uh, Roshi will be doing a, a sort of roundup, if I've got that right, in his, uh, his talk. So you might want to reserve some of your comments for, for then, this, the specifics of how things have worked for you. Uh, so I'm thinking more generally about session, and I'm aware that also that some, some folks are relatively new uh, to stormwater um, and, to, and to session. This might be your, your first um, outing. So, um, yeah, see what you might be able to learn from this or not. Things to do, things to avoid. Um, as well, one year ago is the last time we were at Crosby. Um, and we all know why we haven't been at Crosby since. We should have been there in April. Um, but it struck me that it's a, it's a little bit like missing an old friend. You know, not being able to visit an old friend because of the restrictions. And um, those of us that have been, you know, taking part in the Crosby sessions um, over some years will be will know exactly what I mean. The familiarity of, you know, arriving, the getting the equipment up there, um, the Zendo. The experience of uh, eating together, um, morning sitting in the zendo, the verse of atonement. Uh, it's quite a wonderful thing and, and quite sad that we haven't been able to visit. But I, I like to think, like an old friend, the message to Crosby is, um, we'll see you soon. We'll be back. Anyway, thoughts and impressions of Session. And I'm going to start with a poem, What I Wrote, just, just last night, in fact, thinking about this. And this poem is called My Roommate's Alarm. Okay. My roommate's alarm crashes into a peaceful dream with the delicacy of a steam hammer. Ten minutes early, he always likes to be ahead of the game. Grumbling and stumbling across the cold, dark courtyard, I make my way to the outside loop. And on the way back, this ascending monkey looks up to the heaven to see Venus and Jupiter gold discs in a dark blue satin sky. The universe is indeed vast and wide, but for now, I put on my robes and go to find some tea. Dark shapes and bleary faces gathered reverentially around the sacred urn. 
for the blessings of hot tea and humanity. In the Zendo, long shadows from the single candle point up the high rafters and stonework of the ancient barn. All evil karma, we intone and atone and atone again. We enclose the silence as it envelops this timeless space until the sound of a distant temple bell and the voice of a distant Eno zoom across the dark miles and through my screen, back in the moment, back in the room, the path lies straight ahead. Where else is there to be? So that's a sort of compilation of my, my impressions of Sashin down the years. And any, um, any uh, of the, the people that it references as purely coincidental, you, you may think you recognize yourself in that, but uh, disclaimer. So what is Sashin? Um, my impressions. I've got to say my first impression of Sashin was that it was wonderful. It was much more rigorous than I thought it was going to be. And it was quite painful, mainly physically. I was astonished at how people could have carried on doing this for years, given how painful it seemed to be. But um, having got through that first session, like, like many of you, um, as the pain subsided and uh, got back into dorm in real life, I booked in for the next one to repeat the whole, the whole experience. And I just want to read a little excerpt from Maizumi Roshi's book on Zen practice, in which he talks specifically about that, that experience of pain. He says, after a period of Zazen, when it's time for walking meditation, you may find yourself standing up, you may find standing up difficult and your legs may be even numb. I know it's painful when you first begin to practice. When I first started sitting, I had an awful, awful time. My left knee was up from the cushion about four or five inches. No matter how I tried, it wouldn't go down. For nearly two years, that I was at Koryo Roshi's place, his teacher, nobody told me anything about how to sit. It's interesting. I wasn't told anything about how to sit. They didn't have beginner's instruction for people new to practice. But this pain in the legs is an interesting thing. Sometimes people think that having pain helps them concentrate better. I don't know whether that's true or not. But certainly when you fight pain, sometimes it increases. Then it, when it gets to a certain intensity, it disappears. Perhaps you might have experienced that too. Furthermore, your psychological condition influences your body a great deal. So for those who have pain while sitting, I have no definite suggestions about what to do. It would be good to deal with it though, to not fight it, but to try to take care of it nicely, but practice right effort. Practice right effort. 
So I think it's interesting that it, it says very clearly that uh, it doesn't have any solution for dealing with, with pain. It's not sort of saying sit in this particular way and it'll all be fine, it'll all be revealed. It, it's simply saying this, this is an aspect of being on session, an aspect of sitting. Make right effort, continue to do it. Practice is the way. He also makes the point that the, um, the essence of session is to harmonize, harmonize ourselves and harmonize this, uh, ourselves with the Sangha. So those, that, that word session derives apparently from two words, shin, which we know is uh, mind or heart mind or um, I say everyday mind, beginner's mind, big mind. And setsu, the other part of session, means to bring together, to join, to collect. So session, therefore, to me, means um, to collect or, or focus the mind. And he talks about doing that in, in at least two ways. One is individually, where we practice harmonizing our breath, our body, our posture, and our thoughts. We bring that into a place where we can sit harmoniously with them. But also, and in some ways more challenging on session, is harmonizing with the Sangha. So when I say that um, I found session more rigorous than I expected, I suppose I found there were more rules. There was more sort of expectation of how to dress, how to sit, how to enter the zendo. Um, you know, everything, as we know, done by bells in a typical session, to the point that you don't really have to think very much about what's going to happen next, you're told. Um, but working with the Sangha, uh, as Roshi Kezan Roshi would say over the years, this is a process of knocking the edges off. You know, through sitting together, through working together, through eating together, we discover that actually, you know, the idea that you just take a bunch of Buddhists, put them in a place, and it'll all be harmonious. They'll all get on together. They'll all be wonderful, compassionate and kind. Well, even in the, the Buddhist time, that clearly wasn't the case. You still got monks arguing with each other, factions arguing with each other, to the point that he, in, in frustration at some point, um, walked off into the forest, disappeared. He couldn't deal with it anymore. The Buddha. So um, having rules and regulations and, and scripts and forms to follow is an essential part of practicing together. We're human beings, essentially, whether we're Buddhists or not. We have that tendency to want things to be different or to want the other to be different. So as well, chanting, uh, I know that chanting, you know, they often say, when you chant, chant with your ears, because it's not about you. It's not about your voice and how, well, it might be if you're Eno, I'm looking at Miranda here. It might be quite important if you, you're the Eno. But um, generally, we chant by listening, by trying to harmonize our voices with those of others around us. And that's a real trial for us in, uh, in Zoom world, as we know. 
um, you know, we'd love to be able to chant together, to leave all the mics open. And, uh, uh, but we know that it's, uh, it doesn't sound very nice because you get lots of interference and feedback. So maybe one day Zoom or we will master that. It will be nice. But anyway, the whole experience of session is very regulated. Do this at the sound of the bell, do that. We even tell people, you know, go to breakfast now, just if you've forgotten where you are, go for lunch, Dharma talk, work period. I don't think we actually say anything last thing at night, do we? Like sleep. Um, maybe we don't, we don't need to be told to sleep. That's easy enough. Um, okay. So the repeated practice, uh, my, my Zoom is talking, all teachers talk about effort, repeated effort. And it strikes me that, you know, that harmonization of body, breath and mind is, is, is creating the right conditions for us to see more clearly who we are and what is happening around us. And it's a bit, little bit like my, uh, my grandson, um, who's just one year old, is taking his first steps. And uh, I don't know if, you know, occasionally people seem to be able to remember taking your first steps, but I, I love, uh, he's, he's one of the few grandchildren, I'm very fortunate to say. Um, but I love that, that sort of um, joy that you can see in their faces when, they, when they're showing off that they can walk, you know, a bit like riding a bike, that moment when you can actually do it. But we know that it just doesn't happen like that. And also, you can't, you can't instruct a child, do this, do it in this way, and it will work. You can support, you can give them practice, you can give them an encouragement. But ultimately, they've got to find that, whatever it is, you know, that neural connection that allows those legs and that sense of balance to work in that way altogether. So we have to move from, um, you know, crawling to standing to to maybe moving around furniture to, or to pushing a little wheeled toy or something um, before we can begin walking. And once we're walking, we might at some point, as we get older, decide we can run, the joy of running. And when we run, we might decide that we can actually run faster than other people or we can run. We enjoy running, so we're going to do it more and more. And then when we get to a certain age where we, we're pushing ourselves to be physically fit, we might end up running competitively or even running a marathon. Which brings me back to Sashin. So learning, learning the basics of how we sit and how we practice our Zen is clearly is fundamental and important, but nobody can actually do it for us. Nobody can. No matter how, I, I often think I've read so many books around Zen over the years, but the, the trouble is, I get as I get older, stuff doesn't stick very well. The basics stick, but um, some of the details don't stick with it. So I have to, I have to revisit the basics. I have to really reacquaint myself with what is, what is this about? And what is, it, what is it? What Sashin is about to me is running a marathon, um, and it has some qualities that uh, are reminiscent of a marathon. I've run a couple of them over the years, but uh, it always requires a lot of effort. You know, just the getting out of bed in the morning, um, uh, it's, uh, it's often exhausting. 
I think that just goes with the territory. It's always revealing, even if it just reveals how painful it is to sit quietly for long periods. You know, when people say to you, friends say, oh, that'll be lovely for you. You're going on a retreat. You know, it's a, it'll be a wonderful experience and you'd be so relaxed. I wish I could come. I think, well, maybe, maybe. But, um, you know, you've got to have been there and done it to know that it may well be transforming. It may be revealing, but it will also be taxing and it'll be exhausting. But once the pain subsides and the memory subsides, uh, many of us end up doing it again and again and again. Feel like running a marathon, I suppose. So, those are my impressions and thoughts on Seshin. And I want to ask you, as, as I say, bear in mind, there will be a, a summing up tomorrow, so I don't want to cut into that. But you know, generally, particularly with those those of you that have, um, well, sorry, those of you that whether you're new to session or whether you've been doing these things a long time, um, just to share maybe what what your impressions are, what your general feelings and impressions are. Why are you doing it? Why do you keep doing it? Somebody said to me yesterday, you know, that when discussing in the in the sangha. Have you signed up for session? Have you signed up for session? There's often a reaction of, oh, no, I haven't yet. I'm wondering whether I should and uh, yeah, whether I've got the energy. Uh, or, um, you know, it's, it's a real consideration is, do you want to run a marathon? Or do you want to sit a marathon for a week? It's, it's a big question. So anyway. So I'd be interested if you've got any impressions or general thoughts around session that you would like to share. And David, if, again, I'm on the phone, so I can only see limited number of people, if you could help me there. Will do. Giles has got something, John. Yeah. Hi, Giles. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. What um, came to me then? Um, um, is, uh, lost it again. Um, what? What was the question? <laughs> What are your general impressions and thoughts about Sashin, your personal experience? Yeah, thank you. Um, I think something about it that, that, that I like, and it's, it's, it kind of it forces me, the, the discipline of it, it forces me to, to do this practice, the support from the Sangha, the... Yeah, naturally, I don't particularly want to make too much effort and struggle and be forced to do stuff, but there's something about it that pushes me along and pushes me into it and makes me do it um, and gets me over myself. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, it gives me that push. Yeah. What I know I do want to do. Thanks, Giles. Thanks. That's, that's great. It's, uh, um, 
You, you know, I'll I just share, share this as well, that um, the, the thing within session is, is there is an expectation that you will turn up to every session. I mean, to the point that if you don't turn up, somebody will come and find you. And that's partly responsibility for making sure folks are okay. But it's also um, being clear that this uh, we're putting ourselves into a place of voluntary restriction where we need to, we need to be there. We have to turn up, um, unless we're ill, of course. But, uh, yeah, it forces us to do stuff that we may not normally do. So, yeah. The power of Sangha. Emily? Hi, John. Um, I, I was just going to say on that, really, um, with the voluntary restrictions and um, being forced to, to, to be there um, at a certain time, certain place, I always find that quite liberating, actually. And it's one of the things that does keep me coming back because for a whole week, I don't actually have to make any decisions um, or think. Um, about you know practical things and I just I have to just have a watch and know where I need to be um, and it means that I can kind of focus on on the sitting and being there um, I actually find it I find a real freedom in those kind of stringent restrictions actually great thank you for that can, can I just ask you how do you how do you find um, online session in that sense because clearly there are additional difficulties practicing in our own homes or with our own partners in the background how do you find that i mean for me because i'm on my own um so it's a bit easier in that sense so i, I still i really like the structure um of having that time um that i have to be somewhere so it means the the free time is also Kind of structured I, I know what I you know how long I have um, and what I need to do in it and then I know that it's only a certain amount of time before we're meeting back again so again I've, I've really liked that for me personally great thank you we should we should send that as an advert for further sessions yeah <laughs> not everyone might feel like that but <laughs> I do thank you Sue? Sorry about that. I always forget. Um, yes, uh, there's a Sangha member. What is her name? Sorry, Emily. Who, who Emily, just spoke. Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, Emily. Um, I completely agree with what you say, and I, I've always felt like that. Um, there's a huge sense of freedom in the discipline. Um, as you say, not having to think about the next thing, really. You, you, following bells. Um, and I have found it granted on my own I have found it not much different at home I suppose the, the main discipline there is not to put the telly on um, which I haven't done um, no phone, nothing I've only just been for a couple of walks out, out of the house so yeah I totally agree um, but I feel I could do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> as a kind of laziness, there's a laziness in there though, John. <laughs> yeah. Not having to think about the next thing or plan organised, but um, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Great, thank you. 
Chris? Yeah, just on that point, really, I think that's um, one of the hidden, one of the benefits that's suddenly been revealed about doing Sashin online is that um, and we, when we do Sashin, we often talk about taking practice into daily life and, and somehow this is injecting it directly into daily life by it uh, actually doing the Sashin in your own environment. And I feel it's, um, it's going to be easier somehow to, to carry on that, uh, that practice than it might have been if I'd had to travel back all the way from Liverpool here. And uh, it's almost as though our flat is sitting Sashin too. And it's also imbibing some of the, the atmosphere of Sashin. So that's a, it's a nice hidden benefit, I, I think. That's great, Chris. That's, that's um, yeah, wonderful. But here we are in daily life uh, in Sashin. The two are not separate, so that, that's fantastic. And and as you say, I, I I hope as well, you know, that we continue to to do these um, events. Rosh is happy with that, um, which I know he is. But that we should do that. That we will will get better at it. I, I think with this session, we have you know we've ironed out some of the things that we needed to iron out from the last one in September. So we're learning all the time. Still a bit experimental, as as you know, but yeah, thanks. Can I say something, John? Yeah, hi, Roshi. Hi. Um, <clears throat> thank you, by the way, um, for your poem, which is lovely. It really had a resonance that reminded me. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. I think one thing that uh, needs to be said about why why we come back, why why I came back to Session and is that if we do do it, and we do it with commitment, what seems to happen for some of us, some of the time, um, is that we do, have the, uh, we do have an experience of a different perspective of what it feels like to be in a non-dual place where everything's okay. Um, and that, is a lovely thing to take back into your life. And I think it acts as a, an inspiration to continue and practice because there is that feedback of, yeah, there is a different way of experiencing the world and it's, and it's easier <laughs> and it's sweeter and it's happier. And of course we lose it, we all lose it, but um, having that opportunity to have that different perspective seems to me actually at the root of, of why we do session why I do it as well, yeah. But thank you. Yeah, thanks, Roshi. Can, can I just come back with that? Because uh, being inspired by seeing the three of you, it was a wonderful picture of the three of you this morning before the, um, the sun came up. Maybe you were in a dark blue background and you were perfectly balanced, the three of you there. But so, in being inspired by seeing your kin here, I decided to, uh, I hope this doesn't sound trite about, you know, experiencing the world in a different way. So what I've been doing is I've just been walking around the flat here by myself. I'm still asleep at that early hour. And thinking this this is a wonderful way to experience this reality in a different way with it, without thinking I need to be going there, I need to be doing this, you know. And just, just so, yeah, I, I recommend it. I can in your own home is, um, well, it's not something I've done much of, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably 
call the uh, call the institution if you saw you wandering around, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll unmute myself now. Thank you. Any? This is kind of more of a question. Um, this is the first time that I've done session and I'm relatively new um, to the Liverpool Sangha. Um, kind of during this kind of journey and, and kind of realising it, it's not so far off the kind of close of, of this particular session. I'm kind of wondering if people experience a, a sense of loss at, at the end of this process. Just generally, yes, um, yeah, I, I, I do, I, I do. Um, I think as uh, Emily and Sue were saying, I, uh, I, I, I miss the fact that I don't. I, I have to start thinking again about what what I'm doing, moment to moment, and and keep keeping the wolf from the door. You know, earning earning money and etc. So I miss all that, and I miss miss having people around all the time. A, a sort of extended family of well-behaved Buddhists who, uh, you know, are good to be with. So I, I miss that. At the same time, there is a sort of joy as well, because I, I think coming out of session, I mean, just occasionally one can come out if you're not feeling 100%, feeling a bit exhausted, but generally coming out of session, feeling more spacious, brighter, you know, happier, Roshi was saying, you know, kinder, more forgiving. I'm not saying it lasts indefinitely. That's why I have to go on another session in a short space of time. But um, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, mi mixed emotions. There might be other people who want to answer your question, Annie, as well. But uh, thank you for the question, anyway. See. Yes, I, I definitely feel a sense of loss um, every time. Um, it's funny because I haven't really, I've never talked about it, and I haven't particularly consciously thought about it, I suppose. Um, and maybe partly that's what brings me to another one the next time round. But uh, I agree with you. Thank you. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Sue. Okay. Right. Um, I'm just finished there with. Um, we've got to do service, so uh, I just want to finish off with, with a further quote from Mizumi, where he talks about he's talking about this thing about pain, and uh, he refers to Master Gensha, was a fisherman until he was about thirty years old when he became a monk. He went to Seppo's monastery and stayed only two years. Then he decided to leave. While he was walking on the road, which was rocky and hard, he bumped into a rock and injured his toe badly. He screamed with pain, but he reflected deeply on his pain and asked, where does this pain come from? Through that question, he attained very clear enlightenment. So he returned to Master Seppo's monastery Seppo, seeing Genshi, said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to have left. What have you been fooling around at? Genshi's now famous reply was, Bodhidharma never came to China. The second ancestor had never left India. 
Needless to say, Bodhidharma and all the other ancestors are right here with me. I can only imagine how ha happy Seppo must have been. So if you have pain, use it and become awakened. This is the practice of effort. So, I'll just finish on that. Thank you. Thanks for your contributions.